Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. That's our presenting sponsor. That's the easiest way to shop for the best tickets thanks to their revolutionary grading system. They are also good people. They got my son Red Sox Yankee tickets. Friday, he's going to be there. If there's there's a masshole type kid who kind of sort of looks like me sitting near the Red Sox dugout who's screaming at uh, at all of his heroes, that's probably my son. It's actually a 1 in 100% chance. But anyway... Uh, Everything is fully guaranteed, and right now my listeners get $10 off baseball tickets the first time they use SeatGeek. Just use promo code BSMLB. Download the SeatGeek today or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by Miller Lite. Miller Lite is brewed to not only taste great but also be less filling. It only has 96 calories. It won't fill you up. It is brewed to be enjoyed from tip-off to final buzzer. It's the original light beer and has been since they first showed up at Courtside in 1975. Miller Lite, my favorite beer since the late 1980s, and also a presenting sponsor for the Ringer.com's relaunch, which happened last week. I hope you're going to that site. We're also brought to you by House of Carbs with Joe House, which I went on because we recapped his uh, his LA Belly takeover last week. Don't forget about our two new podcasts, Ringer FC, our soccer show. We put up another one this week, and also the Rewatchables, which we are putting up on Wednesday. Chris Ryan and I did The Departed. I got to say, I really brought it to the table. I really, it, it was about as strong of an hour of two people talking about an 11-year-old movie as you're ever going to hear. Coming up, Kevin O'Connor, we're going to talk about the latest on the Kyrie Irving trade front. I have a bunch of trade ideas, including the question, what if LeBron just left? We're going to talk about that right now. But first, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Pearl Jam. The Ringers, Kevin O'Connor on the line. We've been on Kyrie Watch now, I think for four to five weeks. There's no resolution. Adrian Wojnarowski wrote a piece for ESPN.com today talking about how Cleveland is kind of paralyzed because they think LeBron is leaving, which I think we were the first ones to talk about that back in uh, in June during the finals. And it has paralyzed them in a variety of ways. What they want to get back in a trade. Um, whether they should still be going for it this year in LeBron's last year versus trying to think about the future, all these terrible contracts they had to take on. They are really behind the eight ball, and yet I feel like there are a ton of good trades out there. KOC, do you think this gets resolved before the season starts? I think in some ways it almost has to get done before the season just because I, I don't see how this could possibly go into the year for the Cavaliers and have it become something that it just goes away. I think it's something that gets worse the closer we get. I mean, we're only about a month away from training camp getting started. We're about 40-ish days away from the first preseason meeting for the Cavaliers, 60-ish days away from opening night. Um, I think something has to get done, but the tough part is that if Cleveland is actually seriously concerned that LeBron's leaving, they can't expand what they're looking for. And that was one of Woj's points in his article today, that they can't seek out those veteran-based packages because it wouldn't make any sense to get that back for Kyrie Irving if LeBron's going to leave. But if they knew LeBron was committing, then they can expand what they're looking for, and then that suddenly gives them more leverage to drive up the price. And, and right now, Cleveland can't do that. And that's the hang-up, um, I think, for them at this point. And I think they're resigned to the fact that he is probably leaving, even though he hasn't officially told them yet. I'm interested to see if they escalate the LeBron part of this at all and basically come out publicly and say, hey, we can't 
we don't know what to what to trade Kyrie for if we don't know you're going to be here. Which, of course, to be fair to him, he's going to say, "Hey, I don't. That's nine months away. I don't know what I think." And it's just going to become some sort of staring contest. But here's the thing: I think there are good deals for them that are out there that would solve both the short term and the long term. Wilsh had some names in there, like they, you know, Porzingis and Jason Tatum. Those are guys they're just not going to be able to get for Kyrie because. You know, I I think he did hurt them by by uh, by asking for the trade, even though it was his right. Because once that got out, it probably hit the it hurt their market by what thirty percent. On the other hand, what's he going to do? Like he's he's not going to telepathically ask for a trade. He has to ask for it. He was hoping it wouldn't get out. If they start shopping him, the league's going to know that he asked for a trade. It just seems like this happens over and over again, where once teams sniff that this asset might become available, it knocks the market down, right? I mean, that, that's that's what it's about, and leverage and negotiations. I mean, whether it's for a free agent or for a trade, um, I think that suddenly did drive down the price. And, you know, granted, like Cleveland, if a deal does happen, they're still going to get something good back. Um, I don't think it's going to be a garbage deal where, like, we're whispering back, like, that's all they got. Um, I think the reason why this is taking so long is because those offers will escalate um, as we head in September. But, yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely did hurt them, the fact that that did leak out. Well, here's what I don't understand. I would be jumping on Kyrie if I ran one of these teams. And we've yep. talked about this in previous podcasts, but there's I don't know how long the list is of guys that I know can go toe-to-toe with the best players in the league in the finals. He's on the list. The list might be eight guys long and maybe 12 guys long, whatever it is. We just watched it. It was him and LeBron versus Curry and Durant, toe-to-toe, two-on-two, and the supporting cast were basically what won that series because Golden State had a better supporting cast. But Kyrie showed he could play on the highest possible level. So if I'm looking at that, if I'm any of the teams that are be rumored you know, to be interested in him, I'm just starting there. I, I think that hearing people talk about, well, he can't be the best player on a team. He couldn't do what Kobe did. Kobe couldn't do what Kobe did. When Kobe was the best player on a bad team, they were a team that won between 37 and 45 games. No, it's really rare to find any superstar who can carry a team by himself to 50 plus wins. There's only, it's maybe just LeBron and Durant right now. Even Westbrook couldn't do it, putting up crazy stats. Anthony Davis can't do it. I think it's really unfair to say, Oh, if Kyrie's your best guy, where are you going? Yeah, you could say that about anybody in the league. But if Kyrie's one of your best guys and you're in a series like the conference finals or the finals, he can take you home. So I I look at listening to Phoenix saying Josh Jackson's not on the table. Not going to discuss Josh Jackson. I I just can't believe that. If, If I could get Kyrie for Bledsoe and Josh Jackson and... I take Channing Frye's contract back and I throw in a protected first. Like, I'm done. Call it into the league. Can you believe they won't trade Josh Jackson for Kyrie? Where do you stand on this? <laughs> well, well, that's kind of the, the focus of my article coming out on Wednesday on The Ringer, just about how should the Suns put Josh Jackson on the table for Kyrie Irving. And, and you know, this part of me that says no. Um, and the reason why is because you only get two years of Kyrie and there's significant risk that he would leave. But the other side of me is like, no shit you give him up because first of all we're talking about a guy who who first of all his jumper is not very good um ignore this percentage at Kansas 38 30, 37% from 3 his jumper is going to be a problem in the NBA and we've seen with guys like Justin Winslow Stanley Johnson Aaron Gordon Michael Kidd Gilchrist where 
if you don't have that jumper, everything else that you do well is suddenly minimized if you're not able to space the floor offensively. And granted, Jackson is a better offensive prospect than those guys. The jump is a problem. And the other part of it is this for Irving. You mentioned how great he is as a player, and that's something we've discussed before. It's something I've written, I've written about in the ringer. The other part of it, he's a, t- a Team USA player. Don't yeah. underestimate the connections he would have in the coming years for Phoenix through free agency. Guys like DeAndre Jordan, DeMarcus Cousins, Jimmy Butler in 2019. That's insanely valuable. It's like Daryl Morey said, you know, that's his goal. Get more USA basketball players. And Kyrie Irving is one of those guys who are moving forward in free agency. It makes them even more of a destination. When they've already had LaMarcus Aldridge there in Phoenix um, for a meeting, they had meetings scheduled with Paul Millsap and Blake Griffin. Players kind of view them as, as an appealing destination. And if they have Kyrie Irving as their cornerstone next to Devin Booker, who's only going to get better, suddenly maybe Phoenix is the place players want to go. And that's the variable that, where it's like it's, it's a no-brainer to me um, in so- the end to put Jackson off the table. Yeah, so that's the Danny Ainge snowball effect, right? 2007, they trade for Ray Allen. It makes no sense. I was furious about it. They trade the fifth pick in the draft. They got Ray Allen back. They got a couple other things. It turned out to be a better trade than it than people realized at the time. They dumped the uh, expiring. But it was like, all right, what's the point? We have Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and Al Jefferson. Like, well, what are we? We're not, we're not making the finals with this team. Ray Allen was in his early 30s at that point. Pierce was in his prime. Didn't make sense. But actually, it did make sense because once they had those two, that changes Kevin Garnett's mind about leaving. All of a sudden, he's greenlighting. All of a sudden, they have KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. It is true. If you get the Kyrie piece, and you you didn't mention you know, what what is Devin Booker in a year? Devin Booker, who knows? He might have this leap year where he becomes an all-star next year, and you have those two guys. It makes it so much easier to get that third guy when you have the two guys. And that, and that Josh Jackson is probably three years away from even possibly being a guy like that. And as you said, this yeah. is a league where every year we we come to the conclusion that it's an offense-first league. Offense matters the most. We saw it with the MVP debates in April. Oh, well, Kawhi is the, Ka- the best two, two-way player in the league. Well, who cares? Offense matters more. What Harden does offensively has a bigger impact than what a two-way player would have. We all agree on that. Offense is... 70 to 75% of what matters in the NBA now. We don't know if Josh Jackson can shoot. I like Josh Jackson. I think he has a lot of potential. I don't know if he can shoot. You don't know if he can shoot. Nobody knows if he can shoot. I, to me, it's like, if you can turn Bledsoe and Josh Jackson to Kyrie, I'd do it yesterday. It's done. Call it in. I don't get it. I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> you so, brought up that Celtics trade back in 2007, Bill. Uh, I was thinking about that last night um, because – the Garnett deal that followed, um, everything that we've heard since then, I know Howard Beck wrote, a, I think, a, a, a oral history of the trade on Bleacher Report a couple of years back, and there's been a lot of other stuff that, that leaked out at the time of the trade, but the important thing to remember with all these big deals involving big-name big name players is that they can take such a long time because there are so many versions that are discussed. So we have another player, Carmelo Anthony, has been involved in rumors the past couple months. And for teams discussing these trades amongst each other, there can be hundreds of versions that are talked about and discussed and mulled over and thought about um, because there's so many ways to get something done. So it's it's more than leverage in some ways. It's about figuring out the deal that makes the most sense for as many teams as possible. Like if there's yeah. a way to get a three three way deal done, 
then maybe that's what ends up happening. But maybe not. But you got to go through all those steps in order to reach a deal. And, and the Garnett deal from 10 years ago was really the great, a great example of that. And maybe we'll look back at this Kyrie mellow summer and see similarities here. Well, it's a chessboard thing. You get Kyrie, not only does that open the door now for you to get a third guy, but you also, if you're feeling, I sound like QB Brown talking in the second person. You also have the assets to make a third trade anyway, because if, if Bender and or Chris turn into more of an asset than I think they were last year, I think everybody's a little dubious of both of those guys, but who knows? Um, you have first round picks. You, you have some, some pieces to maybe put something together, but let, let's be honest, like maybe Booker's part of that. And maybe if Anthony Davis, New Orleans, who knows what happens there in, in, in four months and all of a sudden they're going to New Orleans decides, you know what, Anthony, this is bleak. Boogie's probably going to leave. Who knows? You could package Booker and a couple other things and all of a sudden have Kyrie and Anthony Davis on your team. You don't know. But what I do know is yep. you should turn Bledsoe into Josh Jackson because it opens the door for a bunch of different conversations. I wonder if they know that this is the best deal. They know that this is the deal that Cleveland wants and they're just kind of biding their time and, and eventually they're going to get there. Now I was talking to my dad about this. I don't know if I've said this on a podcast, but if they kind of conspired with Josh Jackson in June to have him fall to the fourth pick, remember he wouldn't work out with the Celtics. Yep. Canceled they, it while Celtics were on a flight across the country. He, he, he kind of soured on uh, on Chicago. I got to be careful because Casey Wasserman owns the Ringer. But um, I, I uh, <laughs> that's 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 a very inside like joke. Fantasies against Russ didn't like that one. Yeah. Oh wait, wait. Russell Westbrook's the best Wasserman quote. But uh, but yeah. I mean, if they conspired with Josh Jackson and Josh Jackson's agents to try to get Phoenix at four, and that's what happened. And then they trade Josh Jackson two months later. What if Josh Jackson comes out and is like, these guys screwed me. I would have worked out with the Celtics. They told me not to. And I wonder if that's the reason that he's not on the table. Is that possible? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it, it could certainly be possible. Um, I mean, you think of promises that happen in the draft. I mean, I've, I've heard certain stories where a team makes a promise and they regret making that promise. Because on draft night, a guy falls to them that they wish they could have taken, but they made a promise. Yeah. They don't want to ruin the relationship with that agent or that agency. So that's always or a the ringer We're just in this case. But, yeah, oh. <laughs> that's also true. That is so stupid. Very true. Uh, yeah, no, I do wonder if that's a small piece of this because it did seem like some chicanery <laughs> happened with that Josh Jackson thing. How do you not work out for the Celtics, one of the best four teams? And and you just seem delighted to go to Phoenix. So I always wonder what happened with that. All right, let's talk about some trades. Speaking of the Celtics, I came up with eight possible Kyrie trades. And I don't think all of these make sense 100%. But I just think if you're talking about Cleveland stuck, they're not, they, they have LeBron for this season. They have to get a young player for the future, but they also have to compete now with the team they have. It, it, the, the, cupboard, the cupboard quickly becomes bare except for a couple teams. Here's one of them, the Celtics. I don't see how the Celtics could offer anything more than this. Isaiah, who's going to be a free agent in a year. Jay Crowder. Terry Rozier. And you know what? I'll throw in Boston's 2018 and Boston's 2020. And I'm overpaying at this point for Kyrie. No Nets pick? 
No, no Nets pick. You don't get my Nets pick. Oh, well, I think you got to give up a Nets pick here because if you're Cleveland, on the other side of it, you're thinking to yourself, Isaiah could leave. He could leave him in a year too, and you're also thinking the same thing Boston might be thinking. Do we really want to sign this guy to a full max contract? Yeah. So I think you have to get that Nets pick, which might not even be in the top five. You could throw in a top two, top three protection on that if you really want to, and it might not get there anyway. So I think that need would need to be in the deal. It would well, have so, to be. So it's almost like it, it would almost make more sense to put Marcus Smart in the deal with Isaiah, and then it makes no sense to have Isaiah and Kyrie together. It also makes no sense why a conference finalist would trade with the other conference finalist, which I'm pretty sure <laughs> has not happened in at least 30 years. I remember I went back and researched this, trying to figure out when anybody who was at, at that high up traded with each other. And it just has not happened. It's not a common thing. So, oh, I remember the last time it was Seattle and Phoenix when they flipped Dennis Johnson and Paul Westfall. And it's not like they, it's not like wow. either of those teams had made the final. So it was 1980. But they were both 50-plus win teams in the Western Conference. They were pseudo-contenders. But it's just not common. Cleveland and Boston aren't trading with each other. So I'm crossing this off. There's no scenario where Boston gets Kyrie Irving. All right. We mentioned Phoenix. I think that trade is Bledsoe, oh, Josh Jackson. Westfall left after one year, by the way. I just pulled up. Left after one year with the Supersonics. Yeah, that was a, it was a weird trade. Uh, the Phoenix trade, I think, would go Bledsoe, Josh Jackson, uh, Jones just a contract to throw in maybe a 2008 second rounder and Phoenix has to take back Kyrie and university of Arizona star Janie Fry. <laughs> and I, I think it's what? the same thing for Cleveland. I mean, where's the Miami pick that that's what I'd be saying. And, and even if the Miami picks there, I'm thinking to myself, that's even top seven protected. It already has the protection on it. So is that, is that, Possibly why they're having a staring contest about putting Josh Jackson in because eventually they want to get to the point where they keep that Miami pick and throw something else in instead. I would say yes. I, I just I, I think that could be it. I find it hard to believe Josh Jackson isn't on the table for Kyrie Irving. Did they watch the finals? <laughs> Those games are on NBA yeah. TV. Go watch the finals. What are you doing? The Knicks. Would, would you rather have that Miami pick or Phoenix unprotected with Kyrie? Oh. I'd rather have the Phoenix. The Miami picks top seven protected. I'd rather have Phoenix unprotected. Yeah, bad, tough Western Conference. I'd rather have that pick. You can make it a pick swap too. Yeah. Hey, we're going to take a quick break from all this trade talk to talk about blacktux.com. They made looking great for a wedding on a special event. The easiest it's ever been. High quality rental suits, tuxedos delivered to your doorstep. The Black Tux is giving guys a new way to rent. They offer free home try-on so you can see the fit, feel the quality of your suit months before the event. The best part, it's done online. No trips to the tuck shop. No creepy creepy tailors breathing all over your tailors are usually creepy, by the way. The BlackTux.com lets you create your look or choose from tons of stylish selected outfits starting at just $95. Modern, made from fine Italian wool. Absolutely the best quality in the rental market. After ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before your event. That's a full two weeks to try it on. Make sure everything fits. If anything's less than perfect, if not, make a trade. Like how Cleveland's trading Tyree. You could just trade your tux for a free replacement right away after you're done. Drop the rental back in the mail. Shipping free both ways. Super easy. Get started right now. Visit theblacktux.com slash BS to get $20 off your purchase. Experience a new way to rent tuxedos. Again, that's theblacktux.com 
slash BS. And one more shout out to Miller Lite, my favorite beer since the late 80s. But more importantly, our presenting sponsor for the ringer.com's big relaunch in August. We have a ton of great stuff up there. Patriots week last week was polarizing 16 pieces, but I also thought some, some fantastic football writing. And if you didn't check that out, go check that out. Go check out all the stuff we put up this week. The ringer.com presented by Miller Lite. And now back to Kevin O'Connor. The Knicks, Carmelo, Frankie Nicotine. Let's give him the Knicks uh, 2018 top 10 protected. And Cleveland dumps uh, Shump, two years left on Shumpert's deal, one year left on Channing Fry and Kyrie. And if I'm the Knicks, I'm just thinking, I just want to end up with with Porzingis and Kyrie. I don't even really care who else is on my team. I don't really care what my salary cap situation is because I'm screwed anyway. I got Joakim Noah for three more years at $55 million. And Hardaway for four years at $18 million. Salary cap's irrelevant. I'll take those other guys. All I know is I have Kyrie Irving and Kristaps Porzingis on my team. And that's my end result. And this is great. Let's go. I think the Knicks do that. What do you I, think? I think the Knicks might even be willing to, to soften the protections on that drastic. Top 10 protected? I, I, I might be willing to go top two, top three protected on that. I mean, that, that's a really strong deal for them. Get out of the mellow situation, and I think you get Kyrie, a guy who probably wants to stay there, right? I, I don't know if he'd guarantee it, but um, I think you'd have to feel pretty strongly if you're the Knicks that Kyrie would resign there. And if I'm Cleveland, I'm getting Carmelo back, so I'm replacing a lot of Kyrie's offense, and now I have Carmelo, Love, and LeBron, which <laughs> which presents its own sets of problems. But at least for the for the upcoming year, I can compete with that. I got a, the, the eighth pick in the 2017 loaded lottery. That's somebody I can develop down the road or I can flip him for whatever. I also have that pick I can flip. I have options as the season goes along and I can wait and see how this LeBron thing plays out. And Carmelo has an out after at, uh, next summer. That's another thing, right? So maybe Carmelo gets out and now I can start rebuilding and, I mean, that's not an ideal situation, but if, if I have to trade Kyrie, that's another option. Or, or maybe LeBron opts in for one more year, like to stay with Melo through the duration of his contract. Because I don't know if, if Melo would get that kind of money on the open market, depending on, because the money has dried up uh, uh, quite a bit. And depending on how much the cap increases, I don't see Melo getting high 20s, low 30s, um, max, max deal long term. So maybe LeBron would be willing to stay an extra season. Um, to play alongside his buddy Carmelo, that could be a bonus for them. I think that would be the the act of a great friend. But I think the movers trucks are already moving LeBron stuff from Ohio to <laughs> LA, and I don't think that's really an option. Now here's there's one. There's a lot of stuff to move up there. <laughs> so <laughs> Woj, Woj, who knows stuff, who's who has more information and access well, to people than anybody. He he mentioned um, a group of young players that the Cavs are basically focused on. Three of them were unreal. Two of them were unrealistic. He said the Cavs find themselves far more fixated on a young star, including New York's Chris Tapps Porzingis. That, that's not happening. Boston's Jason Tatum, also not happening. Phoenix's Josh Jackson, maybe. Denver's Jamal Murray. First of all, how is Jamal Murray in that paragraph? What am I missing? Am I missing? Am I missing something? What am I missing? My question is, 
Should Tatum be off the table? I, I think Porzingis, we, we both agree that he should be. But but should Tatum be in the Jackson conversation, like in the, the, the Jackson realm of prospects where you don't want to give him, but yeah, you kind of would. If it's, but this is the conundrum with the trade. If you're telling me it's Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, I don't even know if the contra and and Crowder, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Crowder for Kyrie. And then what do you do with Isaiah? Like it just doesn't make sense for the team Boston has. And if anything, if you're Boston, you're kind of looking at this going. Cleveland's going to trade Kyrie. We're going to be the favorites in the East as soon as that happens because they're going to be getting 70 cents on the dollar for Kyrie. So let's just let them make whatever trade they're going to make because and now, now we're going to contend. It, I, I just, I also think with the Boston side, there's an Isaiah uh, popularity thing that they have to reconcile. The guy's hugely, massively popular in Boston. Kyrie's on the enemy team. Is it enough of an upgrade offensively? Ky- Isaiah had one of the best 10, I think, statistical seasons by a point guard ever, just from advanced, if you look at the advanced metrics, yeah. usage rate, scoring efficiency. I don't think there's been 10 more efficient scoring seasons ever in that position. So how much am I upgrading? And then I can't play Isaiah and Kyrie together. That's a disaster. So I, And Isaiah and Tatum is too much. Right, we both agree on that. That's way too much for Kyrie. So I think, considering the other offers that would be on the table, it would be too much. But in a vacuum, I don't know if it's too much. But considering everything else that's out there, it would definitely be too much. So, and yeah. then, if I'm Cleveland, Isaiah just hurt it, hurt his hip. What am I trading for? Am I? Mm-hmm. I'm trading for a guy who might be hurt, who's who's going to be asking for thirty million a year from now. I just don't think they're a match. Twenty nine when he's asking for it too. Yeah, I don't think they're a match. But. Uh, I don't see it. But Denver, Jamal Murray. It's like, okay, I can get Kyrie with Jamal Murray as a centerpiece of a trade. Let's figure this out. Can we go to lunch? <laughs> what, let's, I'll bring the trade machine with me. Let's figure this out. All right, here's the trade I came up with. <laughs> Jamal Murray, Wilson Chandler. Still, in, uh, would you say an above average rotation player? If he's your seventh yeah, man, solid. it's pretty good, right? Rock solid. Good, good player to have in the playoffs, I think, here at Cleveland. I'll throw in Juan Hernan Gomez. You know I'm what else? Big Hernan Gomez fan. I'll throw in my lottery-protected 2018 pick. You give Ooh. me Kyrie. I'll give you Murray, Chandler, Juan Hernan Gomez, and my 2018 lottery-protected pick for Kyrie. Who says no to that? So I think Denver jumps all over that. Um, if I'm Cleveland, if I'm, if I'm Colby Altman, I'm sitting in my GM chair and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not a big fan of Jamal Murray because I'm not. I, I I'm never have been. Um, I think he's a solid player. I think he's going to be a good player in the league for quite a long time. But I, I didn't see it. A lot, a lot of people last year viewed him as like a top four, top five guy. I had him, I believe, ranked eighth or ninth on my board last year. I just, I think he's going to be good. Um, but I think if you're Cleveland, you're looking for that kind of next level prospect. And the other names on that list, like you kind of said before, Bill, all three of them are just at a different level, um, in my opinion. Porzingis, obviously, he's shown what he can do. Tatum, I had him ranked second this year. I view him as a potentially great player. And Jackson, granted, I have my concerns with his jumper. There's no denying that dude is a just a force on the defensive end of the floor, and he does a yeah. lot of things well offensively besides shoot. Whereas Murray, his thing is shooting. And he didn't shoot the ball very well last year, especially when pressured. Um, his playmaking is 
solid, but he doesn't have he doesn't have really the ability to create without a screen. So it's like, what does he do for you? Um, I like Murray. I think he's going to be solid. But if I'm Cleveland, I'm I'm aiming for something much more significant than him. So if I'm Denver, I'm I'm really trying to jump all over that. I 100,000% agree with you, and I have no idea why he was in that Woj paragraph, but he was. He was in that paragraph. A lot of people like him. Yeah. A lot of people like Murray. Okay. So what if I, what if the Cavs say, eh, what if it's a top five protected 2018 pick? Do you still do it if yeah. you're Denver? Yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, no yeah, problem. I, I mean, I think, I think if you're Denver, you're thinking playoffs with Kyrie Irving. I don't think you're worried about any protections on that pick. If anything, you're putting a top one, top two protection on that just for state. Um, but I don't think that would be an issue at all. Well, the problem for Cleveland in that trade is that it doesn't really help this year's team contend, which is why we should bring a third team into this. Now it's getting real interesting. Tate, yep. you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. I don't need the Charlotte. The Charlotte's coming, Tate. I just, I just <laughs> wanted to make sure you're emotionally ready to hear this three teamer. Cleveland gets Carmelo Anthony, Jamal Murray, and Denver's top 10 protected pick. The Knicks get Wilson Chandler, Iman Shumpert for two years, and Juan Hernan Gomez. It's the dramatic reunion of the Herman Gomez brothers. <laughs> they have been together since Spain. And the and uh and Denver gets Kyrie. So now if I'm if I'm Cleveland, I have Carmelo, I'm replacing a lot of the veteran, the scoring, all that stuff. Jamal Murray for some shooting. I'm making a big bet on him, and I still have that Denver pick to shop if I think LeBron is is staying. And if I'm the Knicks, I've dumped Carmelo for a lot better than what Ryan Ryan Anderson and all these other shitty, terrible deals they're getting. At least I'm getting something for Carmelo, who's super unhappy. What do you think of that? Hmm. That that's an interesting one. That that might be my favorite one so far. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, for all three teams, really. I, I think I think the more a deal gets expanded, I, I think this goes for like any mellow deal with the Rockets too. But the more interesting I get, and I don't know if that's just like me fantasizing about big potential trades, or if it just suddenly becomes more realistic because. This feels like it needs to be a big deal, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I just, it doesn't feel like something small and significant because that's something that would be done. In some but way. here's the problem: the so more I, I the more like teams the, the more teams you put into a trade, the more of a chance that it has to get screwed up. You know, exactly. that's that's the ultimate yeah. thing. And all, all it takes is one person on one of the four teams to go. Well, wait a second. Why would we do that? Or oh, and then all of a sudden it, it unravels. We should mention if I'm Denver. And I have a chance to end up with Kyrie, Paul Millsap, and Jokic. I'm in. I'll figure out the rest later. I know I got those three, right? I'll figure out. I'll okay. Those are my three. I got it. But I got some other role players. Maybe I can deal Moutier for something. But I'm ready to go to war with those three guys. I like those three guys. I like the way they fit. I think that would be really fun. So that's. I agree. I think that's the best one there. Couple others we should bang out really quickly. Minnesota Wiggins is, you know, I, I think you and I have both heard the same thing. I think everybody has that Wiggins is kind of the floor for Cleveland. They know they can probably get him. Minnesota made noise about potentially extending Wiggins, which I thought was was bizarre. But basically, it would be Wiggins, Cole Aldridge's contract, which I think has two years left, and Minnesota I think would have to give up an unprotected 2018, and they'd get Kyrie. 
figure out the Jeff Teague thing in December, February, whatever. Uh, it's a pretty uninspiring pullback. Where do you stand on that one for Cleveland? Just that's all they basically get is Wiggins and a pick. I mean, yeah, it's solid. It's all right. It's not great. Um, I, I wouldn't feel too good about it. If, if I'm Minnesota, I'd be ecstatic. Uh, that, yeah. Then I'm bringing back Shabazz Muhammad and trying to give him a little uptick in role and responsibility as a kind of a go-to scorer off the bench. Um, I feel amazing about that if I'm Minnesota. I just, I like Wiggins, but it's kind of the same thing with Jamal Murray. I just don't like him as much as a lot of other pe- other people do. Um, I think he's going to be a good player, but at the same time, where's the scoring efficiency in the half court? Um, I, I like him a lot, but for Kyrie Irving, oh man, yeah, um, and the defense. I don't know. I'd say I, I'd want to wait if I'm Cleveland. If that's the best I can do. Yeah, that deal's there but in February. Comes with risks too. Yeah, that deal's there in yeah, February. I it makes them a lot worse this year, which is the reason why I don't think it happens. Significantly you, worse. Yeah, if you flip, if you're basically flipping Kyrie and Andrew Wiggins, you're not, you don't have a chance in the 2018 Finals now, which is why that trade doesn't happen. That's like a deal you make after LeBron leaves, where it's like we're totally focused on the future, just yeah. getting draft picks and young players. Here's another one that I don't think works, even though it's fun to look at on paper: Milwaukee, Chris Middleton. Malcolm Brogdon, Greg Monroe's expiring, and Milwaukee's unprotected 2018. Milwaukee gets Kyrie, but they also have to take Shumpert for two years, and Fry's expiring. I just, I don't think it's enough for Cleveland. It, it's the the shame of this. For I mean, it sucked anyway that Jabari got hurt. But if Jabari was healthy and playing well, and that now Jabari Brogdon and a first becomes a trade, you got to think about if you're Cleveland as a possible best you can do. The fact that he's not not healthy, he can't be in this trade. I don't think Middleton's enough of a centerpiece. I, I think this trade makes the 2018 Cavs worse. And, uh, and Brogdon, as much as we like him here at the ringer, uh, exposed a little bit in the playoffs. I, I, we'll, we'll see what his ceiling is as like the reliable um, creator guard on on a really good team in a playoff series. I still don't know. He's he's overqualified to be a third guard. He might be underqualified to be that guy. So I don't think that's enough. What do you think? I don't think it's enough either. Um, but you bring up kind of an interesting concept for a trade here, and it, it reminds me of the the Wiggins the Wiggins. Wiggins loved trade a couple of years back in 2014. There was a report from Zach Lowe at the time, and it's similar to what I've heard, that another offer on the table for Minnesota was Draymond Green and Harrison Barnes and a draft pick. Um, and that type of structured deal where it would be kind of young players on, on the verge of reaching the next level, but right before they do, guys who are still on their rookie deals, that's, that's kind of a unique type of deal I would look for from Cleveland. The issue is, look around the league at the guys who make sense and there's not a lot of them. I mean, there's Wiggins, Jabari Parker has the, the torn ACL. There's not a lot of guys that stand out as that possible Draymond Green or possible even Harrison Barnes, for that matter, who isn't even that great. I mean, right. he's a good player. But there's, there's not a lot of that out there um, that makes a lot of sense for Cleveland. So that could be a tough deal to find. But I still want Jabari. I mean, if his, if his value has diminished, if Milwaukee were willing to put him on the table, he's somebody I'd still want. I mean, those two torn ACLs that he's had over the past couple of years is seriously concerning. But that guy's a real talent. So. <laughs> and if those were fluky injuries, yeah. you could have something special. I like that. I like Jabari showed me something 
a few times last season, his his go-to ability, which is very old school, I'm getting to the rim. You're not stopping me. There, there's something about his game that's becoming more and more unique with the way basketball is being played. I, I was a big fan of the stuff he was doing last year. Uh, I, the other I, X Factor. I number one over Wiggins this draft. Yeah. The other X Factor yeah. with that trade is whether Kyrie would be happy in Milwaukee, him and Giannis together. They, I don't, I, I yeah. just don't see it happening. And I think if I'm Cleveland and I can trade Kyrie out of the conference, I'm also looking at that too versus strengthening. Any team with Giannis, when Giannis is the most logical MVP pick for who's who's the next under twenty three guy to win the MVP, I think he would be the the pick in the landslide. All right, Tate, you ready? Yep. Charlotte Hornets, your oh, beloved team, gonna be great. Kevin Tate's having a rough week because uh, Marvin Bagley went to Duke. <laughs> Tate came in. He oh was, yeah. I I gotta admit, I think he's still drunk from the night before. He's, <laughs> it seems like he went on a bender. <laughs> He's got a black eye. He's got a fat lip. I don't know what happened to yeah, Tate last just night. Just tired but, of it. But <laughs> he's the one good thing now is Coach K with his with with his uh, reconstructed knee. Now we know Coach K will be here all season. Yes, he's got Marvin Bagley now. Oh, he's healthy. We won't see any six week <laughs> Coach K surgery. Yeah, came no, out today. Oh, oh, the surgery's great now. <laughs> no more excuses. Yeah, but uh, but Tate's upset. All right. Anyway, here's the Charlotte trade. I've not seen this trade rumored anywhere, and I kind of like it. I keep looking at it. You ready, Tate? Kemba, mm. who you drive to the airport. Yep. But is also an all-star point guard who could do 75% of Kyrie's League offense. favorite, great teammate, champion. Big balls. All the above. Makes big, big balls. shots. Malik Monk. Oh, no. I'm out. <laughs> Jeremy Lamb. And Johnny O'Brien for Kyrie. And Shump's contract, which is goes on for two years. We think Tate. I don't want to give up Monk. Can we give up Kid Gilchrist instead? No, no, this is the trade. <laughs> if I'm Cleveland, this is the trade I want. You you offered me Batum, no thanks. The yep. contract's too long. I don't know if LeBron's staying. I don't want to be stuck with those two deals. Yep. You offered me your number one pick. I'm not interested. I want Kemba and I want Monk for Kyrie. I'd do it. I knew I'd break Tate. <laughs> what do you think, Kevin? I'd do it, too. It, it, it would be being reluctant trading Monk. But I, I would be, too. But my question is, would you have just outright traded the number 11 pick like on draft night? The answer is yes. You yes. I would say, right? Like, no question. And I think, granted, Monk shouldn't have fallen that far. Yeah, sign me up. If I'm Charlotte. Sign me up. So then Charlotte would be left with Kyrie. The artist formerly known as Dwight Howard, mm. Nick Batum, Kaminsky, Zeller. Marvin Ki- Williams. Marvin Williams, maybe a Kid Gilchrist resurgence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyrie's got the Nike relationship. His shoes are shockingly popular with the under-15ers. Jordan takes those shoes, put the jump man on it, roll it out. And Kyrie becomes the guy in Charlotte. Yeah. And then Steph Curry gets a little jealous, and eventually <laughs> you flip Kyrie for Steph Curry. And Steph Curry comes home. You got this, Tate! <laughs> Charlotte, <laughs> but that's that. I gotta Kyrie say, would score thirty five on that team. If Ooh. you're talking about all of these trades, what is the trade that would help Cleveland compete in 2018 for LeBron's farewell season? I think this might be the trade because Kemba could really replace a lot of Kyrie's offense, mm-hmm. and Monk is a giant fucking X factor, and might be somebody that they go to crunch time if he's wide up, Kev. You what you studied the tape on this guy. If he's wide open in any playoff series, Malik Monk, the ball's going in, right? 
Yeah. Good, good off, good chance of going in for sure. Yeah. But Monk is an X factor. Right? I like that you can chance. Light it up. You can heat up. I got one last one. I was thinking about the Lakers, and then we're going to go. I was thinking about the Lakers. I thought the ballsiest move by Gilbert would be to trade Kyrie to the Lakers as a proactive cock block for LeBron going there. Because if Kyrie and LeBron really hate each other, you trade Kyrie there now, and then LeBron can't go there. But here's the thing. LeBron's going there, and Magic and those guys know that he's going there. So they wouldn't trade for Kyrie. They wouldn't want him because they wouldn't want to ruin their LeBron chances in a year because they'd rather have LeBron. So here's my question. Even though LeBron has a no trade clause, why not trade LeBron and the Lakers right now? Just say to him, we know you're going. You know you're going. The league knows you're going. We can't get anything back for Kyrie that's going to allow us to win the 2018 title. Go to the Lakers now. Start the next phase of your life. Let us rebuild. Let us keep Kyrie. So the future with Cleveland would actually be with Kyrie, who the people in Ohio love. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get Brandon Ingram, Jordan Clarkson, because I need him for his contract. Randall, who's a free agent in a year. Corey Brewer's expiring. And a 2018 number one, top 10 protected. And I'll give you LeBron James. What do you think? If I'm LeBron, I'm saying no. Because, because you don't want to deplete I don't, I don't the want team. Them giving anything up, right? Yeah, it, it, that's one reason why. And you know, in terms of brand, I mean, you're going to look like the bad guy if you waive your no trade clause to leave Cleveland. But you might not look like the bad guy if Cleveland is forced to trade Kyrie Irving, and then the team loses in the playoffs next year because they're unable to do anything um, that really makes them better during the year. Then suddenly it's like, well, there's a better situation out west for me, you know, both for basketball reasons and off the court too. Um, and I think then you're you're looking okay for LeBron. But if you waive your no trade clause and you're willing to leave, willing to leave, I think that changes the way fans will perceive you. And maybe LeBron doesn't care about that, but I think he does. Just judging from uh, his history of kind of I think kind of tweaking the conversation and really twisting it to, to fit what he what's good for him in some ways, which is understandable. As hey. it should. I agree with you. I think Carmelo to Denver in 2011 has established uh, it's stupid to give up assets for somebody you know you're getting anyway. On the other hand, if I'm LeBron, I'm in year 15 now. I have an incredible amount of miles. I've never had a major injury. And I'm not fucking around anymore. This is probably my last chance to win a title this year unless I can build a Lakers super team. But really, this season, I don't want to mess around anymore. And if I feel like Whatever Kyrie trade, I'm not getting back enough to win the title this year. Maybe you do start your life in LA a year early because you lay all the groundwork for it. I don't know. I would I would at least consider it. I still feel like the th- my three favorite trades, if, if you want to make the team better in 2018, but also have a little bit extra for the future, I like the, the uh, getting Carmelo, Jamal Murray, and a Denver pick, second most. I actually like the Kemba Monk trade the most. I think that would, you could make a case that might be a better team. Could Kemba do 80% of Kyrie? Maybe more. Kemba with a chip on his shoulder? I don't know. 75? I mean, he's it, certainly not, he's not the, the shot maker Kyrie is. I'm not saying he is. the J.R. Smith mentoring Monk. Show. Oh, God. That's, that's a negative. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like it. Uh, 
But yeah, the, the upside the of <laughs> the upside of Monk, Monk with the chip on his shoulder. Now he got passed up by the Knicks. He just got traded by Charlotte. Now yep. he's pissed. Yep. But uh, I'm just thinking crunch time. Kemba, Monk, Jr., LeBron, Thompson, or Love. Kind of dangerous. Mm-hmm. Plus, Kemba would stand up to LeBron because Kemba's the irrational. I'm one of the best five players in the league, even though I'm not, but I'm the only one who thinks this, but I really do genuinely believe this guy. I like it. What's your favorite one, KFC? I think it's still the three-way. Okay. The uh, one where the Cavs get Carmelo and Jamal Murray. I want a little more, but that's the one that I think sticks out. KFC loves the three-ways. So you like Carmelo? (laughs) Yeah, I'd expand to four if I could for a trade. (laughs) Big thing here. Oh, my God. Five-way trade. Come on. So if, if I could get you Carmelo, Jamal Murray, and Denver's top seven protected 2018 pick, you're calling it in. Calling into the league. Probably not. No, <laughs> probably not. That's just the one I like the most out of all these. But I, I, I just feel like there's going to be something better. There's, there has to be something better. So and Jamal Murray and Carmelo. All right, I asked you this a month ago. I'm going to ask you again, and then we're going to go. Is Kyrie a Cleveland Cavalier for this entire season? No. I thought there was no way. And we've heard so many things about how this is actually way worse behind the scenes and Kyrie is just killing him everywhere, killing LeBron and really trying to trying to poison his way out now. And uh, I still don't think Cleveland's going to give him away. I think they're going to have to get something awesome back. And it's going to be, it's going to need to be one team who talks themselves into it and then thinks another team is making a move. And then that offer might get to the right spot. Because maybe if, they can get Victor Oladipo and Demontis Sabonis. Oh my God. Oh God. <laughs> so if they got Carmelo, Jamal Murray, and that Denver pick, whatever it is, then that also that Denver pick would be a trade, a trade asset for them with Kevin Love to get blank. Or with Tristan Thompson to get blank, and then there's a second trade. And I, th- I think that's the one. They need to get somebody who can help them now, the young guy, and then a future asset they can flip would be my advice for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But uh, this is going to be fun regardless. KFC, you enjoying the summer? Yeah, it's been fun. Looking forward to the season, though, too. But it's been a really good summer. Went to Lollapalooza earlier this month. It's a really good time. I know that the NBA schedule said they're not doing any more four games of five nights things, but we're still making you work four days and five days. So don't don't think that like, your life's going to be easier because it's not. Um, hey, man, college basketball too. <laughs> be a draft time. KOC, as always, a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Thanks to KOC. Thanks to Tate, who's in a coma now after I just threw the Kyrie Irving trade at him. Thanks to theblacktux.com to help you create your look or choose from tons of stylish selected outfits starting at just $95 after ordering your suit will arrive 14 days before your event. Try it on. Make sure everything fits. If anything is less than perfect, the Black Tux will send you a replacement right away for free. To get started now, visit theblacktux.com slash BS and get $20 off your purchase. Again, that's theblacktux.com. Slash BS. Thanks to Miller Lite. They've been sitting courtside since 1975. They've been my favorite beer since the late 80s. And more importantly, most importantly, at least for me, the presenting sponsor of the ringer.com's relaunch. Please check that out. Listen to me on House of Carbs with House. Um, one of the funniest hits I've done on a podcast because we were just so in a food coma from our whole trip and we recapped it. Also, the rewatchables. 
The Departed. It's coming up. We did a few good men last week. The Departed this week. Check that out. Please subscribe to that feed because that is going to be um, one of the most fun podcast feeds we have. Don't forget about all the other podcasts in the Ringer Podcast Network. I have another one coming later this week. Until then. <laughs>